First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and until I started this podcast, I had never seen a single episode of Doctor Who at all. I had heard a lot about it, I had been told that I would like it, and that I should watch it, and well, I finally did it, and whoo boy, I am now hooked. I love this show so much that... I am celebrating the fact that I've gotten through my entire first run of a doctor. I have seen all of the ninth doctor's episodes, and I want to talk about it with somebody that has a wealth of knowledge, somebody that has just a mountain of ears behind their Doctor Who fandom. So who better to bring back to the show than John Sobel? And if you wait a moment, I'll go get that person. Okay, we're still okay. waiting. Uh, no, but thank you very much for having me yet again. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm, you had to come back for this episode. You are legitimately, you have been watching the show longer than I have been around uh, and almost longer than uh, Eric has been around. Eric is not that much older than me. But certainly was around when you started. Yes, he. Uh, from what we've, what I've heard, he's he's been watching for a long time. But yes, I started from the second Doctor, uh, and actually it was a regeneration episode. So literally, I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm watching, but friends are telling me to watch this, so I keep on doing it. <laughs> so John Pert, John Pertwee is truly my first Doctor, the third Doctor. The third Doctor. Yes. And the the regeneration, or did I get that right? G- yeah, absolutely regeneration. Right. That's absolutely okay. right. Uh, I, I always say something different, but uh, I, I'm still a little scarred by the regeneration. Like I, I still don't know what to think about it. Uh, I, I've been told that I'm going to get over it. Uh, <laughs> probably, uh, probably uh, a lot faster than some others. Uh, well, in in the the last episode, uh, in the the parting of the ways episode, I was told that uh, by the end of the Christmas uh, episode, that I I will be fine. That it will all make sense. But uh, you know, jumping back, this uh, I've often heard. I've often been told by people that were trying to convince me to watch Doctor Who that. You know, you just kind of, you kind of have to get through the first season, uh, implying that the first season is not a particularly well received. I, I guess is the best way to put it. A uh, season, and I'm not sure why that is because from episode one, I was hooked. I I legitimately could not wait to watch the next episode and the next episode and sitting here, you know, having watched the first 13, there is really uh, a handful. I mean, like one or two episodes where I felt like, eh, didn't really care for this one. Everything else, like there was always something redeeming. And even the, the, the one that I was like, eh, didn't really care much about, um, was the, the episode, the the first episode in um, Satellite Five, the long game. The long game, yes. The one we, t- we talked turn- about that one, right? <laughs> you were you were my guest for that, uh, and as it turns out, that you know had a lot of ramifications down the line into you know the the the, the season finale. So even the episodes that were sort of so so were still 
doing a lot of heavy lifting in presenting a story. So I, I just don't understand why people wouldn't necessarily appreciate this season. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Christopher Eccleston was not uh, a, a first choice of people when we all heard that Doctor Who was going to get rebooted. It had been a long time uh, between uh, the TV movie and then the new series starting. Uh, so we weren't sure how it was going to go. Uh, so there was a lot of going on between back and forth of what was happening. And I think a lot of people picked up on, uh, on Christopher's, uh, he was kind of rough in parts. And I don't think they caught the smiles and the humor so much as that they caught the gruff and the leather jacket. And it was updated and they just weren't ready for it. So I think that was a biggest a big deal with a lot of the older fans not really mm -hmm. liking what they had seen. So kind of like the uh, the backlash that a lot of the Star Wars fans had when they did the prequels and people were like, "Yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. Right. It's, it's not, not the kind of Star Wars that I enjoy. It's not my Doctor Who." Yeah. <laughs> And you'll hear um, that a lot because there's always people who are complaining about one thing or another because it's not what they expect it to be instead of just going along with what they have. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, I mean, I'm appreciative that I've sort of come into this with um, little knowledge of what was past. Uh, so I, I, other than knowing that there were previous incantations of this show, I've never seen any of those episodes, so I don't know what that was like. I don't know what, the, you know, I, I'm sure by virtue of the, the times that they were made, you know, the, the late 60s for, for the first run, I'm sure that they were different. I'm sure that the pacing was different. I'm sure that the storytelling was different. Oh, absolutely. And I've just was, I was watching, uh, they had uh, taken a few of the um, – episodes, the older episodes uh, from the second Doctor, and converted them because uh, BBC had a big, long history of re-recording over uh, uh, tapes. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff from the first couple of seasons that are just don't exist anymore. And But people have recorded them on reel-to-reel you know, -reel or a track or whatever they had to, to record it. So they had a lot of audio. Um, mm. for it and they've actually done some animation around it and there was an episode that I just saw with the second doctor which was really uh, really interesting it was a um, it was like six parts because they ran them like half hour episodes and they ran them as long as they needed to to tell the story back in the day and mm. it was so it was really interesting a six part episode uh, but it was all in animation but it was a slow story telling <laughs> but in the 60s that's what you did you told sure. stories a little slower because you didn't necessarily have to grab everyone's attention with a car chase you know in the in the beginning uh to to get it i mean if they had started doctor who now uh in 2020 or you know it's right around this time it would be a completely different type of story mm, well yeah it, it, it has a lot of the uh, I, some, sometimes, uh, I feel like, uh, shows are made worse by the advent of technology, uh, in that the storytelling becomes sort of secondary to the special effects that they want to showcase that week. 
Uh, you know, it happens in movies too, but sometimes with movies, because the process is a little slower, uh, they're able to take a little bit more time and elaborate, uh, even the weakest of stories into something that's somewhat cohesive, but on television, uh, some of these episodes, you know, sci-fi television, uh, which is in essence, what we're talking about with Dr. Who tends to nowadays overly rely on mega elaborate 3D and computer generated effects and not always necessarily for the better. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, oftentimes it's at, at the, all the money that gets spent on those special effects would be better put to better writers and better um, actors sometimes because it, it, it languishes. I feel that, you know, this, this particular season that we're talking about was released in 2005 and it, it certainly reflects the technology of the time, but at no point did I feel taken out of the story because of the tech, because of the special effects that they employed. Uh, I thought that it, it, when they needed to, they used it when they didn't, they didn't use it. And it made the shows that, needed to feel more personal, like Father's Day, feel more personal because it was much more about the individuals than the visuals and the special effect of, you know, the, the, the reapers coming through. Absolutely. Uh, and that's part of, uh, you know, not having, uh, doing uh, episodic television is you don't have a huge budget to throw up, you know, uh, huge computer generated 3D images. So you rely a lot on practical effects. Mm -hmm. and you, well, and we even talked about <laughs> in, in the episode um, that you and I talked about, uh, episode six, Dalek. You know, a lot of that, uh, the the just by virtue of where they set the story, you're able to tell a story that's very contained in this in an, in this environment that doesn't require a lot of production value in special effects and, you know, altered backgrounds. It's just, you know, it's an office building. It's a complex, you know, and the story is, in my opinion, it makes the story more interesting than if they had set it in some elaborate futuristic office overseeing, you know, uh, all, all these vistas. And every time the camera move, you would have this new panoramic view, you know, it, Sometimes doing that deters from the story. And I, I feel like Doctor Who, and particularly this season, did really well at using the, the special effects to further the story, uh, especially in, in episodes like The Unquiet Dead. You know, all of those ghosts, they looked really cool. They looked really good. And a lot of it is very simple uh, simple effects that don't Absolutely. take a lot of money. Um, but they were hugely impactful. The episode was moody and, uh, you know, a little scary, which is great. You know, yeah. it's fantastic. A little goes a long way when it comes to, uh, some of that stuff. And I'm glad that that's how it's, uh, portrayed. And that's obviously how it was portrayed years ago because there was no money. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You know, it, it and and I've said it about movies, and I'll say this about the Doctor Who show. You know, sometimes being strategic with your writing 
and playing up the the limitations is better than saying, well, I can't write this episode because, you know, I, I don't have the billions of dollars required to make the special effect happen. You know, I, I, I think the weakest monster or villain that uh, the doctor faced was probably the, the plastic monster in episode one. And it, it didn't, you know, it, it, it felt fine in that episode, watching the other episodes you see where they sort of stepped up the design uh, of the, of the monsters and the creatures, but for what it needed to be, it, it did the job, you right. know, and it did it effectively. I feel. Absolutely. That's, you know, you could do so, so much again, you know, so much was so little that first episode when, uh, when Rose gets back into the car with Mickey and he was a plastic monster, it just, yeah. it's just such, it's just a little makeup on the, on, on the actor, uh, to make him look plastic. And it's just a huge effect. Yeah, it, it, it definitely had a big impact. Um, but so uh, other than, of course, my absolute love for uh, how amazing Eccleston, uh, at least to me, how amazing Eccleston was, having no reference to previous Doctors, he was everything I wanted this character to be. Because um, I guess going into it, the way I approached the show or the way I, I almost saw this show... Um, is that it was going to be, you know, a, a serialized sort of Saturday morning adventure, uh, the way that, uh, and younger listeners may not be able to understand what I'm referencing, but back in the day when you went to the movies, there were these little serialized movies before the feature film. And I, I thought that that's what this was going to be. And from that sort of perspective i thought eccleson was great at presenting this very optimistic hero that when he needs to he gets serious and he gets you know angry but generally just walks through every scene almost with this just naive childlike optimism and hope and the big old smile and his you know uh catchphrase fantastic fantastic you know just wonderful it was just so wonderful to see that uh, you know maybe i'll as as i finally get to see a different take on the doctor i'll understand why people found it so jarring but it was exactly what i had expected this doctor to be and it's, you know, it's, again, the, the way to restart a, restart something is you don't want to go too over the top. And I think for that, he was perfect with that. He, he, held, his, he held his own. Um, I think Eccleston was uh, knowledgeable of Doctor Who without having seen a tremendous amount of it. Um, mm. So he was able to play it without um, really being, you know, influenced uh, which is a, which is always a good uh, component when you're when you're portraying mm-hmm. a, a new character. You don't definitely you don't want to be influenced too much by what you've seen before. And even if you're not playing a new character, uh, when you're when you're acting something that has already been done, uh, and you've mentioned on uh, on my favorite movie podcast uh, how you uh, d- uh, did uh, a few good men. Not a few was it a few good men? 
Yeah, I was yeah. in A Few Good Men, yes. Right, and I've, and I've acted as well, and I was in uh, The Wizard of Oz. It's like it's nice to have a reference point, but you don't want to use it to just do a copy of what they've done. You oh, yeah. have to, but you have to make it your own. Uh, well, yeah, a, a good actor does that without having to rely on on mimicry or imitation. Yeah, exactly. So that's why. Yeah, it was some of the, the, So it's fun that he was able to say, "Hey, I'm you know I have an idea of what this character is, and now I'm going to turn it into my own." Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did. He he was actually he was the doctor, and 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 a lot of a lot of scenes and a lot of times. There was no doubt in my mind that this part, that this guy was the doctor, even though um, a, a real aggravation on, on a lot of uh, people, and it's more the newer fans than the older fans, that in the credits, the entire time the, for the first season, uh, the credits listed Christopher Eccleston as Doctor Who. Mm. And even for the uh, final episode, um, it lists Christopher Eccleston as Doctor Who and introduced and, and also uh, David Tennant as Doctor Who. Hmm. It's like, he's not Doctor Who, he's the Doctor. So it's, right. a, you know, but so that's, it's so minor, but, but yes, he was the Doctor. It was, there was no doubt in my mind from watching, from knowing, from seeing uh, past incarnations, this was the same person in a new body. Yeah, I I absolutely loved him. So let's uh, let's get to some lingering questions that uh, now knowing what I know, um, it, it's fire been fun. away, and also <laughs> know that you might still find out that you're not there yet. I I, I fully expect that, <laughs> um, but it, it's been fun uh, in that throughout the way. Uh, there were several episodes in which I asked questions and I was giving what I felt at the time were cryptic answers that now having seen all 13 of this first run uh, make a little bit more sense. Uh, and I appreciated that from uh, my guests, uh, such as yourself, uh, in, in sort of keeping me naively unaware um, but at the same time, informed of things that would uh, matter ultimately. Um, and uh, the the first thing, first episode, um, we're introduced to the character of Rose, and an awful lot of time I felt in that episode was spent setting up her 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 life, her you know normal life, and I, I didn't understand what that was all about. Um, other than, you know, now knowing on the other side, we needed to know that she was a normal person before she joined the ranks of doctor of the doctor. And then it, it's almost like she she had a rebirth and she becomes the companion Rose rather than the Londoner or shop girl Rose. Yes. Um, and that. Uh, definitely, while I now know that Bad Wolf is, in fact, Rose, I, I still don't see it. Um, and did, did I miss, like, were there moments in it where I just didn't realize she was doing it? 
or is is the whole point that she sort of as she becomes it as she absorbs the power of the tardis she's able to then ripple back through time to do the the things that she did like dropping those words bad wolf throughout their experience ding 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 we have a winner okay yes. so it's strictly it was strictly the um the taking it when she explains when she comes out of the tardis uh, in parting of the ways uh after when she's returned that she is the bad wolf and she's taking these words and you see the words uh, the Bad Wolf Corporation on the satellite, you know, disappear, you know, float away mm-hmm. and how she's doing it. And it's all a, you know, just it has to be laid out so that we can get to this point. So this is my time that I'm going to do it. And so it was breadcrumbs that she was basically dropping back for herself. Exactly. And that's part of where you get the um, uh, where Gwyneth in an unquiet dead is so scared of the big bad wolf because Mm -hmm. it is Rose and she's reading Rose and sees the future and sees what it is. And, you know, enveloping the time vortex of the, of the TARDIS is a very scary thing as, uh, as we see that the doctor uh, while taking it in uh, can't survive that. So, Rose, a normal human being with a single heart and a fairly robust, I'm guessing, antibody system, uh, is able to survive that. But the doctor, only having it for a few seconds, is triggered into a regeneration. So is the regeneration triggered because of the force or the regeneration is triggered because his body has been weakened and deteriorating and basically dying. So I guess the question is, is the regeneration process like that of a Phoenix where once they die, they become ash and then they rise out of the ashes again? That's a very good way to describe it. It is so that that is one thing that, and I know there's other people that have theories about it. It aggravates the heck out of me because clearly Rose has the the uh, uh, vortex in her for longer than the doctor does. Yet it affects the doctor so much worse than mm-hmm. it ever does Rose. Now it could be that as he uh, took in the vortex that he was applying some of his, you know, to, you know, do I want to say healing power or something that's something he was able to stop uh, any damage. Uh, I know, you know, that Russell Davies has, has talked about it. Uh, and, you know, you can go to the, to the author and say, oh, well, this is what he meant. Uh, I don't like that. It's, you know, what I saw on screen. It does sure. bother me a little <laughs> bit, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, it's, you know, he signed well, the actor signed on for one season and did not want to do it again. So that was how they used it. So here, here's a, a theory uh, being, you know, sometimes a super nerd and overanalyzing things in uh, the doctor dances and um, the empty child. We see Rose interact with 
the little nanobots or whatever that are in the uh, Chula ship that uh, Captain Jack is piloting. And those nanobots interact with her and heal her. So and they're maybe, still and they're still there to keep on healing her. Sure, maybe they're still there, and that's why she was able to contain that much power. Whereas the doctor, he he does come into contact with them, and he, uh, you know, he he talks about them as as an upgrade uh, and uploading the upgrade. Uh, he controls them and and saves everybody, and the doctor dances. But, you know, maybe she internalized them, uh, whereas the doctor just interacted with them, but then they were not with him. Yes, because he didn't need healing. So he was directing them without without, you know, putting them in his body. She needed right. them for at least for her hands to heal her hands from the rope burns. Sure. Uh, so they have to go into the body. And if you want to, you know, go back to, you know, like a nanobot Star Trek, you know. Uh, thing that this, you know, yeah, it's, uh, you know, once it's in your body, do they ever leave? Yeah. I mean, it's a good theory that that's the way I sort of rationalized it. Um, not knowing what the transformation process is really like for the doctors. I assume that it was more or less that this time vortex sort of triggered it in that it, it cut his time in this form short because it does affect time and space uh, rather than affecting his body and, and, in essence, killing his body. But that's, I, I guess, the way I perceived it and picked it up. And I think it can be perceived any number of ways. So it's uh, uh, to the viewer. So there's a couple of unanswered things that this, uh, you know, everything sort of gets wrapped up fairly neatly. And fairly um, I mean, quickly. Sure. But, uh, you know, it, clearly the, it, this was written to be a 13-story arc um, with uh, certain characters that get introduced. There, I, I got the feeling that we were going to see more of, uh, what was his name? Michael, the, the kid in the long game, and Dalek. Adam. 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 Uh, I got the feeling that Adam was somehow going to be more than just a two episode arc character, especially because of that port in his head, but we don't see him again. Is, is he going to make a return in the future? Uh, not to that. I remember, I believe okay. he was just a two, a two arc actor and you know, it's, he truly is never a, you know, he's a, a speed bump along the way. <laughs> so somewhere in 2006 and moving forward, there's a dude walking around London with a hole in his head that opens up anytime people snap. Right. Unless he can, you know, they said in that episode that a lot of people change it to a way, you know, change it. Sure. So maybe he learned a way to change it so he can <laughs> keep it closed unless he has to open it, which That's, I don't know in 2006 why you would need to open it. But. <laughs> Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have that itch you can't scratch, I, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> then there's um, the Margaret Jones. Yes. MP Flydell. <laughs> uh, and uh, at the end of World War Three, she is referenced as she becomes the prime minister uh, and is the architect of 
um, good things to come for for England. I'm assuming that we're going to see her again, right? You will. You will see her again. Okay. She 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 will interact with the doctor in a in a new form yes. at some point. Okay, because uh, again, she felt uh, watching and listener. If you've heard any of the previous episodes, you know. But if you have not, in Aliens of London, I said I felt like you know here's this great actress, and she seems to have this fun little role. But it almost felt like wasted on her because she was just so unimportant. And then in World War Three, she really kind of steps up. Um, so it's good to know that you know she she will come back to have an impact. Um, speaking of characters that I hope come back, and I have a feeling that I know the answer to this, but uh, Captain Jack. Ah, yes, Captain Jack. <laughs> so, so I will uh, tell you, yes, he does come back. He will interact with the doctor once again. Oh, yes. And then there is definitely something about Rose say, you know, within her bad wolf form when she brings him back to life because he definitely was dead. Mm-hmm. And then he was brought back to life. Yeah, and she then says, I, I bring life. How can I give this up? I bring life. Exactly. And she brings him back to life. And that um, there will be lasting impact on that. Oh, okay. And that will remain until another time. Now, I, I asked this question because in the Bad Wolf episode, there was something that was brought up. Um, that I've heard banted around before. So I, I think I know the answer. Um, but I asked uh, about the meaning of Torchwood. Okay. Because it is brought up in Bad Wolf. It is one of the answers to the weakest link. Yes. As a, an old uh, Earth uh, association or you know, some sort of group, I think is what it was implied to be. Um, and uh, Eric couldn't uh, extrapolate further than to say that, yes, Torchwood is somewhat important in that it's an anagram for Doctor Who. Yes, that's, that's definitely, it is an anagram. It is definitely important. And we shall learn more soon. Okay. Soon. As in this next season, maybe. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Winnie the Pooh. That was great. <laughs> oh, oh, we shall not talk about this at this time. All right. But uh, Captain Jack was a, a character that I, I was not expecting. Uh, you know, he is the quintessential American in a lot of ways, you know, doctor, the doctor's running around with a sonic screwdriver. Captain Jack is running around with a sonic gun. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, he's definitely sort of uh, going, you know, going after everything with uh, a certain level of confidence and tenacity. So definitely what I would assume the, the British think of the quintessential American, you know, the, the, the cowboy kind of guy. Uh, and he certainly represents that. Um, but as, uh, as he continued to appear in these episodes, I, 
I really grew to like him in a way that I didn't expect to, uh, especially in the, uh, the bad wolf episode, the way he responds to, uh, what happens to Rose in the, in the weakest link stage, it just threw me for a loop. I was not expecting him to be that emotionally invested in Rose that quickly. Um, but, you know, I guess we've already established that time is a little more fluid um, than what we see on on the episodes. It's not a continuous story. There are moments that happen off camera. But still, Jack was very, very, in, in almost a polar opposite way than the doctor. Uh, he was very affected by Rose. And I just it made me like him even more. Yes, he is definitely a he's a fun person. <laughs> a fun person is an understatement. Yeah, yes. the oh, character no, I love... has that certain suave and swagger to him. But yes, no, I, I I like him a lot. I've I've liked the character. I like the person. I've met him. He is definitely uh, a force to be reckoned with in the Doctor Who universe. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he came in, and he as much as I liked Eccleson. I really liked Jack. Uh, I, I, I liked Captain Jack. Um, I, not not equally. I mean, of course, I, I, I love the doctor uh, and what he stood for. Um, but I was surprised at how likable his character, Jack, the, the Captain Jack character was uh, and how affected I was, you know, when ultimately when he does meet his demise uh, in the parting of the ways, um, it kind of, you know, pinged my heart a little bit. Um, so it was great to see Rose um, resurrect him. Uh, and I'm looking forward to to seeing how that reunion goes. Oh, that'll be, it's a fun one. So when it happens, it's fun. Um, so are there any things from season one that, are a holdover that are going to develop into something in future seasons that I should sort of keep in front of my mind as I launch into watching the, um, the David Tennant era. Yeah. Well, the first part, you know, right away, you're going to get a Christmas episode, which, um, is going to be, uh, really separate from, uh, it is separate, but it isn't separate. Um, such as uh, the episode Rose was a first episode where you saw Rose and you were introduced to Rose. The mm-hmm. Christmas episode coming up is almost very similar to that. So it's like a pilot episode where then the first trip in the TARDIS uh, in uh, season one, which we went to the end of the earth mm-hmm. and we met several people in that. Remember that. Okay. Cause that, uh, and, and the face of Bo is definitely a, a, something that has come up and will come up again and, and will continue to come and up. will continue to come up. So that's definitely something you want to remember. Um, there's others as well. Um, as well as um, actors, as you've been uh, told from the beginning, uh, when you saw the third, uh, the third episode, "The Unquiet Dead." 
the unquiet yes. dead. Yes, yes. That Gwyneth, Gwyneth will is a, is a, an actor that will return as well. And they do that a lot and they'll do it as, and they'll find ways to bring these characters back involving the characters that they've played in the past. And that's great because going back to The Unquiet Dead was, I think, as much as I enjoyed Rose and The End of the World, The Unquiet Dead is where I feel that the show really burrow itself into me. And just the, the, the everything about the costumes, the time era that they represent, um, the way that the show is opened up when they're out on the streets, but once again, very claustrophobic when they're inside the parlor and in, in the basement. Uh, but I really liked that actress. I, I really liked her performance um, in a way that, you know, I, I've watched that episode a, a couple of times getting ready for the podcast. And then I watched it again with my wife. Um, there's something so earnest about her that when I heard that she would, continue to play a part in this universe uh it, it kind of made me happy because she, she i really liked her she's she's definitely she's really good and uh when you when you get to her the main character that she plays you will fall in love with her again hmm. i can't wait i can't wait so that's important moving through as we were moving through a lot of the things i mean Rose's connection to home is really important. So Jackie and Mickey are very important. You're going to, you're going to see them again and again and again. Mm. We, we tend to keep going home. Um, and I think it's a nice, it, it helps Rose link. And I think it also helps, you know, the viewers as well. It's, it's something that's important for uh, the viewers to find something at that time. It was, you know, that was real. That was the time that it was happening. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nice way to sort of anchor anchor the yeah. the story and the characters in in it's, in a place and time. Right. Um, otherwise, it, it could be very easy to get lost in it. Exactly. So that's so that's uh, so you know that's very important and plays a big part. You know of of who Rose is. And, and her, you know, continuing, her continuing story. Um, it's almost uh, like the show is really, you know, the Rose show, you know, featuring the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mind that at all. It's never, the doctor is a character, but the doctor is only a character with other characters. He can't, the, the episodes looking forward, that I'm never a huge fan of. Uh, and then some are good and some are bad, but when he's all alone, when he has no companion, he's, he's dealing with other people, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the companion um, to, you know, to link the, the viewer to be the, the voice of the viewer. Um, it's almost, it's harder to watch. It's harder to feel. Um, hmm. I feel, I feel much more connected uh, with a companion and everyone's different, but that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. But no, I, I can definitely see that. Cause it, it's almost like, um, 
they are, uh, uh, and, and I hate to use a, a, a troubled metaphor like this, but it's almost like they are the Chewie and Han of this universe in that, you know, one is good, two is greater than one. You know, when, when it's just Han Solo, eh. When it's just Chewie, eh. Yeah. When it's Han and Chewie adventuring together, Oh yeah, you know you got you have a you have adventure. A good, you know, uh, you have a good and, time. You have a good time coming. Exactly, exactly. And you know, certainly the, there were moments throughout season one where I felt that we were diverting a little too far away from the Doctor. Um, certainly, in the long game, there were long periods of time in that episode where the Doctor was uh, inconsequential. Uh, and I felt that was a little bit to the detriment of that episode. Uh, but then in episodes like Father's Day, you know, I, I'm almost glad that uh, the doctor is hardly in it because it's that the purpose of that episode is not for him. It's what it does for Rose. Yes, he's ultimately changed by it and affected by it. But it's it's more about what it does for Rose as a character uh, and how it pushes her forward rather than uh, holding her back kind of thing. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's, it's just a good time, you know, when, when you have, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a trope uh, where you have to have somebody to be the voice of the viewer um, to, to say, I don't understand what's happening Mm -hmm. so that, you know, to make yeah, sure it's people easy to are, have the person to, that you that you can explain things to, so that as right. the viewer we can get that exposition right. in but at I least think, an entertaining it, way. Yes, but it's worked for years with with Doctor Who, so it's not. I, it's almost like this is where the trope. It didn't come from it, but it really perfected. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so there is one other character that I remembered that uh, had multiple appearances in season one. Are we going to see more of Lady Slovene? No, she is. She's done. Lady Slovene is now an egg, and she yes. will <laughs> live her life. Uh, but we will not see her again. She is done. As, as, oh, okay. Again, you know, as as I've said multiple times on the show now, as as you're watching it, I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not jumping too far ahead. But from everything I remember, that's that is now a a a finished storyline. We don't, we no longer have to go to Rexacor or Felipatorius. <laughs> uh, I had I'm to learn that. that. I you, have to make sure. <laughs> you're right. I'm glad you remember how to pronounce that. I, I, I would, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm a big fan, but I will never be that fan. <laughs> I, well, those we, are hard to I knew we were words. talking about that episode, so I made sure I had to pronounce that properly. I feel that, uh, this season certainly left me full of excitement for what is to come um, and a little bit of sadness that I'm not going to get to see and hear that fantastic unless I go back and rewatch, which I'm likely to do. Yes. Well, now, you, now that you've gotten through it, you can go back and just watch episodes that you enjoyed without worrying about affecting the storyline. So uh, without spoiling, Seemingly, the relationship that the doctor had with Rose was one of a, th- this. Uh, I mean, I hate to use the word sexual tension, but there was definitely uh, th- there was definitely a, a romantic tension that 
was present, um, especially uh, after the introduction of uh, Captain Jack. There, there's definitely a, a sort of a, a growing group dynamic that involves that clear interest between them. Is that exclusive to this doctor or is that always going to be a dynamic between the companion and the doctor? Um, usually not between the companion and doctor. Yes. You, you get, they get close you know, when it's, mm-hmm. especially when it's a, uh, uh, a character who is of a uh, opposite gender uh, of the, of the doctor, there is closeness in traveling in the TARDIS. So that mm-hmm. definitely is something that is played up and it will be played up again and again. Um, but whether it's actual uh, romantic or just played up with the, as the, the tension, that remains to be seen. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this uh, awesome little recap of season one uh, and uh, for giving me some things to think about uh, and get excited about for season two. I can't wait for you to watch the, the, the next uh, season. Cause uh, this, this gets into my excitement of, of the reboot of Dr. Who a lot more than the original when it originally uh, was done. Cause this is soon. when, this is when we, I have friends and we talk about these are the episodes coming up soon that we're going to be, uh, that we talk about a lot. All right. Well, I, I cannot wait. Uh, It has been a great adventure so far. And uh, dear listener, thanks for making it to the end of yet another episode. Uh, Hopefully you found this illuminating. Uh, If this is the first time that you've joined the podcast, go back and listen to it. Hopefully you are watching and listening to it as John uh, is doing and as certainly as I am doing. Um, because uh, I feel that there's a lot of fun in, uh, as a fan, I wish I had uh, things to go back and revisit uh, and then chat about with other people uh, because it, it often does lead to uh, seeing things anew and sometimes rediscovering that something you thought was just eh uh, is actually better than you think when you go back and watch it in its totality rather than in its presentation. So... Thank you so much. Uh, Please stop on by the website, which is firsttimelore.com. There you can find links to our merch store, which has some awesome Christmas stuff now available, as well as uh, you can find links on that site uh, to our uh, Patreon site, uh, where you can become a Patreon and get these episodes as early as they are available, uh, certainly before they post to the general public. Um, So any help is greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for your support. And please stop on by the website and leave a comment. Uh, I know I was talking about it from the beginning. Uh, I had somehow not flipped the overall site-wide switch for commenting, which I have now done. So you are able to leave comments on all of the previous episodes. Uh, So please stop on by the website and leave a comment. Tell me what you think is your favorite episode uh, and what moments you really like from episode one or from season one. But I now have run out of time. I've got to get back into the TARDIS and get started with season two. <laughs>